Welcome to this episode of Small Talk. I am your host, Jackie Hutchinson, and with me are some beautiful friends of mine who have come this Thanksgiving weekend to celebrate with me. And they are all from my, well, except one, they're all from my home country of Trinidad and Tobago. We have an honorary Nigerian in the house, but she's been grafted in. And uh, we're going to start with Adepeju Oisanya. She is from Nigeria, but domiciled in Trinidad and Tobago. We have Lisa Beckles, who is the um, principal consultant. And oh, before I forget, Adepeju is the founder of Omoa and best start and we have lisa beckles who is the principal consultant at lisa beckles consulting we also have Catherine bethel who is the co-founder and ceo of bees ice cream in trinidad and last but not least from the sister island of tobago is trisha beckles who is the uh, she has a long, long title, but essentially with a manager uh, of strategy and business development with the Tobago House of Assembly. And that is in the, um, if you forgive me for butchering the, the title, Trisha, but <laughs> every fine. all things finance, okay? <laughs> but but we, um, we're so blessed to have them all on here today. And um, the reason for this team uh, or this group uh, in this season we had a discussion this week and it was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, we shared about entrepreneurship and the whole essence of doing business. And one of the beautiful things that we discovered as women of faith, women of God, we we all had our little stories, our little incidents to share. Um, what did not kill, what did not destroy us, it definitely made us stronger. And uh, sometimes we have to realize that in business, um, we may feel alone, we may feel isolated at times, but then we get together in a group like this and we start sharing about our heart, our lives, our families, how things are affected by the business that we do. So today, in this season of Thanksgiving, I want us to, to focus in on, on the things that we are thankful for. I want to focus in on the things that that move us or make us um, who we are as, as women in business. I want to focus on... Um, some of the things, and, and this might be a bit of a stretch or a reach back from some of the things we discussed um, during the week, but um, I just want to concretize this for my audience so that we would realize that entrepreneurship is not a game. It's not, um, it's not anything to play with. It's a very serious undertaking, but at the same time, it will stretch you. So without much further ado, I'm going to ask these ladies each. Uh, the question, and we can do a group discussion if you guys want. Everybody could chime in at some point. Why did you start a business? What what was it that compelled you to start a business? I'm going to start with Lisa, seeing that she's she's the um she's the catalyst for all of this to take place. Lisa, why mm -hmm. did you why did you start a business? 
I would sort of say like I'm kind of an accidental entrepreneur. My interest really was getting to the place where I could use my experience and my giftings to help people so that I had been working a number of years by that point, probably over 20 years in the hospitality industry. I was then working, you know, with a hotel and doing the same thing every single day yes more different sums of money were involved but right. it was basically the same thing the same people same suppliers same hassle and a few years before i had vented out to do a coaching um certification for businesses and i had never used it mm. and um following a, a, a particular bit of let's say uh corporate challenge i realized sometimes you think you will probably die in a place you you, you <laughs> live and die and everything you're so vital to this and then i realized okay things could happen you could be replaced tomorrow <laughs> but meantime based on what had happened with me in the certification program i realized that i could actually even then offer help to others i said let me explore this so at some point in time during a vacation period, um, the institution that certified me had been asking, are you going to use this? This was four years after. Mm -hmm. I said, let me accept something. And I went and met with a couple of the clients. And when I saw the sort of help, they were outside of the nation because I had held off because of conflict of interest possibilities. So went on vacation, met with these clients, and I realized how much they needed help and started relating how much they valued what I was sharing with them. That was for me right then the clincher. I looked around, I checked and a few months later handed in my resignation so I could devote myself fully to that particular enterprise of helping people through coaching. And most of the things that I've done since entrepreneurially were with the overall aim of helping businesses on one end and the human beings in the Caribbean in particular to come to the place of our highest potential in one way or the other. Mm, that's excellent. And um, Catherine, let, let's let's talk to you about the same thing. What, why did you um, get into to, to business? Why, what, what was it that motivated you? It was a clear need at that point in time because my husband, it was in late, mid, late 80s, when um the industry well the country the economy was like how it is now mm. it was into construction well the fabricator and that industry went down we had a young baby at that point in time mm -hmm. i was just an ojt at wasa mm. we for that permanent job but mm. um those of us well some of you will know ojt stipend at that time was 345 dollars right but I held on, I learned, I worked with passion, I learned from my managers, my supervisors, um, just waiting. My OGT period had um, finished, the contract had finished, but mm -hmm. they kept me on, kept me on promising that I will get the permanent job at WASA. No, hold on, we will recommend you, we will refer you. So they keep extending, extending the time, but not giving me that full-time job and still working on that stipend, right? Mm. So with, 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 
with um, Andy's income going through and with a young baby, something had to happen. We will want to go to the West and buy homemade ice cream and all of that. And Sunday evening, you know, that was the spot. Mm-hmm. And we saw the lines. And uh, we were like, hmm, this business really isn't this, this type of business. But my husband used to make all these pumpkin punch, peanut punch, and all of that at home. So he had a knack for making these things. Mm. But what I was interested in that time, all of the homemade ice cream players today, they were sort of like buddies, you know, and they were talking and, you know, and, and chatting about this, that, and the other. And um, everyone kind of ventured out into their own areas of, where, of the community where they, they were from. So this particular um, homemade ice cream, I will say brand today, um, was in the West, or still is in the West, and still is operating from a carton, which most of homemade ice cream in Trinidad and Tobago started like that, right? Mm-hmm. So this cart model thing, you know, was the was the was the norms of how you get ice cream, or if you would have the little person riding around on the bike with a little peanut and a paper and a palette, and you know, people will look out for the ice cream man on the bike, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my husband was a welder fabricator, as I said. So he he said, you know what? Look, this business looking good. He have a knack. He go in and try. And all the conversation was like that in the in in within that group. Um, another another strong brand that sort of led homemade ice cream in Trinidad and Tobago was Willie's Wilbur Balgobin. He yeah, took the, he took <laughs> the same concept for us, right? But and Wilbur Balgobin is very close to me. I mean, he's deceased now. Mm. Um, really pioneered homemade ice cream. I would when I when, when I say not pioneer, he really took the concept and grew it because you would have heard Willie's opening. So even though he started in Chagonas, mm. you know, he soon ramped up to the, the, the Willie's brand and started to manufacture and then you have any outlets and all of that, right? So that is just a little, you know, target mm. to what was happening. But we were from Sarah Baratari area. Mm. And um we said he said, you know what, so that we try to, you know, conceptualize. So this was just you're trying something. So it was just like a trying something. So I there any conversation listening? Well, something had to be done because we have a little baby to take care of and all of that. So I listening, okay, well, all right, and we're going ahead. I must tell you it was I it was ignorance and fire at that point in time. We knew nothing about ice cream. We just mm-hmm. saw concept, we saw that there was a need for it within the community. And you know, I must say, as I shared um recently. When we decided that, well, okay, he's going to make this cart. He built up the cart he thing. We, he said, well, okay, we're going to start with um, coconut and peanut, right? Um, and we started to think, where should we go and, and start this business? And we were looking at this around the savannah, the Queen's Park savannah. I don't know if you already remember, there was a moonlighting barbecue spot in the savannah years ago. And mm-hmm. a lot of people used to go there. And we said, you know, that would be a good spot to start this ice cream. And we said, Charlie, don't to, to put a spin, set up our cart, you know, and wait for the sales to come. First day, nothing. Second day, $3. Third day, $4. Some days, none. Rain falling. We pulled Charlie in the cart back up to San Juan. And it was back and forth, back and forth until we said, oh, we said, beginning. When we realized that that location that we decided to start up this business was not making any sense we won't get in the traction we won't get in the sales we decided to you know what what about home base 
what about our community where are we from mm. and there was not any of the type any cart model there was and wasn't any homemade ice cream in the area at the time so we decided to focus on where we grew up where we from so wow. we forgot that concept of the port of spain city location where we had to travel and take this car down every day and we started to you know go out and serve and sell and see what is going to happen mm. and uh, that is where these ice cream really got the traction and mm. from there um we started multiplying the cards what i mean as the interest grew as the sales grew as people became you know they bought into the concept right mm. we know that the little communities within trinidad the little hubs you know one would have been san juan one purep and arima and we started putting cards out and that is how the entrepreneurial journey really mm. started wow. the beginnings really from ignorance and fire not knowing anything about ice cream at all but over the time continuous learning now when i made the decision to leave wasa is when i went to leave that ojt job is mm -hmm. when i realized what i would have studied um i would have studied secretarial duties at school i was doing my aat at, the, at that point in time so i was strengthening my administration and accounting skills at that point in time and i mm. just said you know what let me forget this job i'm waiting on i don't know when this full-time job is going to come <laughs> and let me utilize my skills and my learnings at that point in time in our little business and that is when i started to you know go in there and put some structure and do the little admin work and and stuff and that is where the the, the, the the entrepreneurial journey started and that's how it started. Wow. That is that is amazing. You know, sometimes you know people talk about um the entrepreneurship journey, but they don't realize sometimes finding your niche, as Lisa did, was quite by accident. And so did you. You found your niche by accident. Now let's talk to Adepeju. What about you? How did you find your niche? What what was it that was different about your journey? Or was it the same journey? We are all accidental entrepreneurs. The way things are sounding, <laughs> like there seemed to be a problem, and mm. we wanted to solve it. Mm -hmm. um, mine is no different. Um, I had my children, my first daughter, here in Trinidad and Tobago, and the medical experience was traumatizing, mm. to say the best, and. Um, but in everything, you always find helpers. So there are helpers that got sent and that improved the experience tremendously. But then we had to go to the United States for further care. When I was there, I got assistance and I was just like, why could this not have happened where I lived? You know, um, and so I decided that I wanted mothers and fathers to have different birthing experiences than I had the first time. So I furthered my education in the field because my background is not in um, preventative health education. It's in public policy. Hmm. And I didn't see myself in healthcare. Um, so I took a course at UCLA and became certified and then came back to practice in Trinidad and Tobago. And um, 
I realized that my care and passion for prevention, I think that as a person of color, being raised in the U.S. and being African, I realized that our healthcare problems aren't adequately dealt with. Mm-hmm. And we need to empower ourselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the lack of education that we don't have. Mm-hmm. And not just the lack of education, also the support. Mm-hmm. Um, the communities that we had where your mother lived down the road from you or some a neighbor you knew. Like my entire family lives nowhere in Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> and that is representative of a lot of families. Mm-hmm. So now you have providers who provide what families used to do for us. And the village is beautiful in the sense that it facilitates a t- this type of conversation. Mm-hmm. And yet it is not beautiful mm-hmm. because it would be different if you lived in the same city as me, right? Mm-hmm. Jackie? And mm-hmm. I had a health issue. Or I had a new baby. You'd come over and you'd give me some wisdom and knowledge that mm-hmm. I don't have as a first time mom. Mm-hmm. So I see my work as providing that sense of community mm-hmm. because for me, this is my own personal opinion. I think that the onset of technology is wonderful. It serves mm-hmm. a purpose and it definitely allows for conversations such as this. And yet the basic economic needs of society have pushed the family structure further away mm-hmm. than it was intentionally meant to be. So where grandmother may have been around to assist you or your sister was around, those kind of connections really don't exist because of the economic pressures. Mm. of reality let me ask you a quick question quick question like myself oh go ahead oh quick question um the process after birth um i know in in i believe it's nigeria there's something called um the mother would come and do something called amug is it amuguo or something like that is is that the the same um does that still exist in in africa where where the mother like the mother the 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 mother Mm-hmm. would come and um you know show the the young mother you know right. how what? to bathe the baby how to you know to deal with the, mm-hmm. the baby i think it's called an amugo i think that, that that's what they, they call I it i never even knew it was called amugo i'm not sure amugo or something like that i think nigeria's broad you know that right yeah and there's different ethnic groups and different words right yeah mm-hmm. i know that my mom growing up would come and she would bathe. So like this, the first bath was given by an elderly woman, mm-hmm. you know, a, a woman older than yourself. Right. Who is, um, so they stretched the baby and did baby, I, the fancy names we have for everything now. I'm like, wait a second. My mother used to do that. And she had no name for it. It was just <laughs> something that they truly did. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm like, whoa. So now like you can get a certification for infant massage. My mom did that. I guess oh. for those things, maybe mm. it had a name. I didn't know. <laughs> my mom just did those things for other people. Okay. Um, and I think that's what's missing in our current society. So mm-hmm. practitioners such as myself come along and do those things. And we get certifications and we get degrees to do what naturally would have just occurred in traditional family structures. Gotcha. All right. So Trish, we will not leave you out, Miss um, <laughs> Division of Finance, Trade and the Economy. So you are the... Um, the the business manager of strategy and business development at the Tobago House of Assembly. Now, you're all about the finance, but I know that you are, in fact, also an entrepreneur. And um, (laughs) 
one of the things that I, I love about Trisha, she, she's such a, a wealth of information. So share your journey with us. I, I know we've all had businesses and we've all done so many different things, but I just wanted you to share um, that element of um, what makes your niche unique to not not just the 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 community that you serve, but but unique just because of who you are. Let's let's just talk about that. Okay. Um. I think I I'll take it all the way back to coming growing up as a child. Mm-hmm. For some reason, people saw the ability to be a teacher from mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. and I couldn't see it. Um. <laughs> I kept saying I don't have the patience. And um, as I grew up, I uh, went through banking and everything else like that. So I got that side of the information, the finance aspect of it, which has always fascinated me. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I came along, coming out of school, I had the opportunity when I came back to Trinidad and Tobago, I worked in purchasing for a little while. Mm-hmm. And so Lisa and I were... Uh, purchasing managers at the same hotel chain, different locations. Which oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but coming out of that, I took time out after leaving that job and I went into the school system mm. where I did RI, religious instruction. And that kind of started something for me where eventually I got into the school system doing a program called Life at the Crossroads where we, mm. where we taught uh, moral education. Mm-hmm. Um, in those years, interacting with those high school students, it was a school that was always on the verge of being closed down. Mm. And so you had a kind of challenge in reaching some of the students because they didn't see opportunities for them. They didn't see the point in studying because what mm. would be there for me when I leave school? Mm. And, you know, as somebody who was not just a teacher, but t- equipping them for life, Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, I started to wonder what difference can I make beyond mm-hmm. being in school. It's not enough to just say, um, yeah, well, when you go out, you'll get a job. So seeing that some skills were limited, some were not academically inclined, um, having the opportunity then to come to the Division of Finance where there was a program called uh, the business, there was a unit called the Business Development Unit. Mm-hmm. Um, that was looking to encourage young people to get into business. I saw this as an opportunity to come and create opportunities for them when they get out of school. So I took the opportunity to get into the Division of Finance, take the job. There were new initiatives coming on stream at the time, which were a grant program uh, giving up to 25,000 TT, which is not a whole lot when you translate it to US, but it was geared towards thinking about getting into business and getting started. What that did for us was to expose us to a whole lot of young people who were willing, who had ideas. Some were afraid of the process. Some Mm. were afraid of people stealing their ideas and Mm. different things. So over the years, we have had um, over 2,000 persons apply and get access to grants to start businesses of all kinds. And my role then became something of an advisory coach type thing to help them along their journey, Um, knowing that there was always talk in the Tobago House of Assembly about um, diversifying the economy. Mm. Because for those who may not know the structure of the economy of Tobago, 
you have close to 60% of your working population employed by the Tobago House of Assembly. Mm. So any economist would tell you that's a recipe for disaster. Yep. <laughs> so you want to encourage persons to get into business to look for their own income streams. Mm. And then I fell in love with the talent and the creativity that Tobago produces. As I got more into it, I realized that Tobago is known for a particular level of quality that, you know, you don't necessarily have to. Once you say Tobago, you immediately have a demand for it. Mm. And so over the years, we've been able to see businesses grow from infant stages. And uh, in 2017, there was a split of the unit. So uh, my by that time, I was promoted to my current position. And uh, our focus then, the mandate given to us, was to prepare those uh, businesses who are, in fact, showing that type of progress, prepare them to compete successfully on external markets, external to Tobago, external to Trinidad, recognizing things like compliance and certification, financing, everything else like that. Mm. In the midst of it, I said, God, you know, you, I can't be helping everybody in business and not have one of my own. You know, so I started a couple little um, undertakings. Uh, one registered, the other just there. Uh, so I get to experience some of it, but I, my primary focus is really on helping businesses get to uh, realize their full potential as they go along. Mm, wow. So I sat here and I'm thinking I was just jotting down a note to myself. Um, the value proposition um, that we we all bring to the table um, is we speak life, we create opportunities where we see the opportunity, we take the opportunity, and yeah. we carve our own niche for that little need that we see. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask a question: Has anybody? And this is, I, I guess, I could um, share my journey as well. But everybody knows my story, so I'm just um, opening, throwing the door open right now. Have any of you ever gone through a time or a season where you just felt so discouraged or, you know, um, with, with the challenges of business coming? Let, let's discuss some of the, the, the challenges that come in business. Come on, th throw it at me. Yeah. Can let, I let's jump go in there. First? Can I jump go, in Go first? ahead. Come please. on, go on. Go, please. <laughs> um, one of our biggest undertakings in engaging external markets is the Trade and Investment Convention hosted by the Trinidad and Tobago Manufacturers Association. Mm -hmm. So you're able to engage with entities, businesses, buyers, you know, opportunities across the world from persons across the world that come in. Mm -hmm. And one year, we what we do in terms of preparing them, we embark on a series of preparation exercises. It typically takes place in July, and we start with them from about February. You do training, you identify potential partners, and we just get them ready. Mm -hmm. Our idea is that by the time you get to the event, you should just be looking to close deals. Right. And this was, this one year, I think it was either 2016 or 2017, it was our strongest, one of our strongest showings at the event. Mm. And there were opportunities, you're just coming all, coming at every single person had at least two opportunities, firm opportunities to do something. And uh, our process is that we allow them to um, have a month after the program to follow up and to finalize and come back and report to us so that we can see what else needs to be done to help them along. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And when we had that opportunity, that follow-up meeting uh, after a month, we came there and I think we had about 12 or 13 entrepreneurs at that event. And we came there after a month and every single one of them, when we say, when we ask them, what have you done? What were you able to accomplish in the month since? Not one of them. Not one of them made even a follow-up phone call. Really? Do anything about the opportunities. Wow. It was at that time that I was like, this makes no sense. Wow. It took me a few months wondering what next. Mm. Just, just ready to just walk away. Hmm. And, um, well, eventually through prayer and just pulling myself together. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so what I eventually told my staff, okay, this batch, we're done with that. You mm-hmm. know, they, you know, and we started afresh. Hmm. So, yeah, it Did was really discouraging because of the effort you put in and then you see, wow. well, there's no appreciation for it. Do, do you realize sometimes, um, and, and this is just like, uh, so sometimes I think about the parable of the sower. Um, mm-hmm. Not everybody is ready to receive the yeah. blessing of the Lord. People talk about it. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they fantasize about it. Oh, if I only had a million dollars. But the question is, if you had a plan for the million yeah. dollars, it yeah. would have been a much better, you know, scenario to talk about. However, not everybody is ready for or prepared for because preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. You, you had an opportunity, but they were not prepared. While you prepared them, mm-hmm. their minds were not prepared for the opportunity. Yeah. So, so yeah. what, what happened by and large was preparation didn't, their mental preparation yeah. didn't meet your opportunity, which is yeah. so unfortunate. And, um, you know, a lot of times, it, had, yeah, go ahead. Something go ahead. that keeps me to this day to remind myself that even though I see potential in a business, once I see it and I want it more for you, I need yeah. to take a step back. Ah, that's so powerful. Failing that, I would probably go crazy or <laughs> something close to it. <laughs> you know sometimes um that that is so powerful you can you can lead people but you cannot force people and and you said when that is so as many times as i've done this because like yourself i am i'm i'm a i'm a nurturer by 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 nature i love to to push people i love to develop people i love to see people shine you know and um i realized after a while that um as you rightly said you can see it and you're telling them come on you can do this come on you can you can do this i i see it in you and they're yeah. like yeah but jackie and and when i as soon as i started here the butts i yeah. i just go you know i pull my bricks and i say okay you know what you're right i yeah. see it but until you see it i can't feel it for you or i can't want it more than yeah. you wanted for yourself. And yeah, sometimes that's, that's yeah, yeah. Sometimes as entrepreneurs, we, we put ourselves in that, in that, that place where it, it becomes difficult because you, you want to, like for me, I want people to grow and develop to be as good as, or, or better than I am in any business that I'm doing, because what I'm focusing on is building a legacy, right? But if in you, you're trying to develop your dream, people don't see it, understand it, embrace it, nor you know want it then you can't force feed them you 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 cannot it, it becomes a, a bit of an issue that's like um catherine like say for instance you're you're trying you're saying to your son 
this is our family business or your daughter this is our family business and i want to where your dad and i started i want you to take this i want you to develop it and and grow this you know into whatever you know and, and with your guidance of course and your son or your daughter is like uh ice cream no that mm -mm, that's mm, that, that that's not for me i mean let's talk about that how, how do you feel about um what we were just talking about which is trying to to, to cast your pearls as it were welcome to small talk